And if you want to get in on that, see Brother Mike Bennett. I believe we've got a pretty good crowd going, don't you? Over 30 so far is going to go and and uh, might see some people. Well, I ain't going to say that. Hurt themselves. But anyway, if you want to be a part of that, that'll be on uh, February the 25th. And then on March the 11th, the men who want to go are going to top golf together and going to have a, just a good time of fellowship. I appreciate the things that this church does to encourage and and entwine our lives in fellowship. Fellowship among Christians is a very major part of the child of God's life. If it weren't for the fellowship that I've had for, with other Christians down through the years, um, my life wouldn't be as, as full and, and, how can I say it, as enlightened as it is. Um, because God's people, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And God's people help us to line our lives up with, with the book of God. If we lived on an island in this Christian life, our lives would be what we want it to be. But thank God for the fellowship that God allows us to have. It's very important in a child of God's life.
said one time, he said, a fear of getting over the amazement of God's amazing grace. I don't ever want to get over that amazement that he would save somebody like me. I don't deserve to be saved. I ought to be in hell. But thank God. Thank God. That amazing grace came to where I was and saved my soul. Amen. Brother Tim and I, we were singing that song. I know that my name is, is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I, was, I thought about that Revelation chapter 20 where it says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And here's what it says. And the books, plural, were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And it says, and they were judged according to their works from those books. And the very last verse of that chapter says, and whosoever, almost sounds like John 3, 16, don't it? Whosoever. Whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I stand before you tonight knowing, knowing, knowing that my name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And that ought to be enough to make any dead Baptist shout right there. Amen. Just knowing that he wrote your name down. He knows you by name. He calls you by name. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I call them by name. Thank God for that tonight. Amen. Well, I was walking out of my office door tonight with my microphone in my hand. And here comes Brother Tim. He said, hey, Brother John, we had four get saved at the jail today. I preached. How many services did you preach? I preached. Uh, till 1220. And uh, I had that microphone. I said, well, God using you like that? You preach not. He said, I'll preach. And grabbed the mic. And so Brother Tim's going to bring the message tonight. Amen. It's good to be back with home folk. Amen. I like that Holy Ghost singing. I love our church, don't you? Appreciate this church and your support and your prayers and uh, all that you do for us. I am grateful to God for it. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Now, I'm, I'm going to try not to keep you long. I'm not going to lie to you and say that I'm not, but I'm not going to try to keep you long, okay? But uh, I got a little something uh, on our heart I'd like to share with you. The Lord's been dealing with me about personally, my personal walk with Him. Something be a blessing to you. Got a little something of humor to tell you. There was this uh, pro football player who made pro back, and the coach said, I want you to do me a favor. He said, well, sure, coach. What do you want me to do? He said, I want you to help recruit a player for me. He said, sure, coach. What kind of player are you looking for? He said, well, I'm, I'm, you ever seen them guys that get knocked down on the field and they stay down? He said, yeah, we don't, we don't want him, do we, coach? He said, no, we don't want him. He said, you ever seen them players get knocked down and they get back up and you knock them down and they stay down? He said, yeah, we don't, want, we don't want him, do we, neither, coach? He said, no, we don't want him, neither. He said, but there's those players that you can knock down, Brother Ron, and he'll get back up, and you can knock them down, and he'll get back up, and you can knock them down, and get, they'll do that the whole game. He said, 
that's the kind of player we want, isn't it, coach? He said, no, we don't want him neither. I want you to find the fellow that's knocking everybody down. <laughs> well, you ain't got to look hard or, or far in the Bible to find out uh, an enemy that's knocking everybody down. He's the devil, and I don't want him on my team, amen? But there is a way that we can get up and stay up, and if we get knocked down, we can get back up, and it's found in your Holy Bible. It's all through the Holy Bible, but this segment tonight, if you have your Holy Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter number three, please. Joshua chapter number 3, it's a familiar portion of Scripture, but there's a couple of things in here that spoke to my heart. If we're all there, say amen. Joshua chapter number 3, and look with me and listen to what the Word of God says in verse 1. And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and there removed from Chittin and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant, of the Lord your God, and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall re, ye shall remove from your place and notice it, and go after it. Go after it, and it goes on to say, yet there shall be. A space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits. By measure, come not near it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way herefore. Hereunfore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I'll stop reading right there. Brother Terry Ransom, if you'll go to the Lord in prayer for us, please. Yes. 
Amen. I'd like to preach to you just a few mess, a few minutes on this subject tonight. Instead of go after it, go after him. When we talk about the Ark of the Covenant, we're talking about a blueprint that was given to Moses by God. It was a two by two by four box made out of acacia wood or chitin wood. This wood, when it dried, it was almost like an ear to Irrestructible wood. It was like kind of like our red oak, from what I've read. It was a real hard wood, and when it cured, it cured out straight, and it and it dried good. And they were instructed to take that wood and overlay it in gold. And the wood spoke of Christ as humanity, and the gold spoke of Christ as deity. It was both in that one box. And what the Ark of the Covenant was. It was the presence of God. And the presence of God was to be learned by the children of Israel to follow the presence of God. Now, the, the top of that box was a solid piece of gold made out of a solid piece of gold. There was a man raised up in Moses' camp named Bezalel, And he beat that out of one solid piece of gold and put that on top of that box. And that, what was beaten out was two cherubims with their wings forward and their face bent down to the top of that box. And that's where the priest would go in with the basin of blood and the hyssop and he would put the blood on top of that when he went into the Yonke inside the Holy of Holies to commit unto God all of Israel's sins for that year, the Yon Kippur. God would appear between those cherubims as a ball of fire, friend of mine. And the very presence of Almighty God was in the midst. And you see, this is what separated Israel from all other religions and isms of the world was this, that the very presence of God was among them. And what separates Christianity from all the other isms and religions, we've got the very presence of God living inside of us. Now, why do some Christians have victory and some Christians don't have victory. Well, there's a lot of ins and outs about that. But I can tell you what I saw in this passage tonight or today is this, friend of mine. Christians that have victory have learned to follow Jesus. The ones that don't have victory, they still possess Jesus Christ. He's still on the inside of them. They, they have all the promises that are promised to anybody who's following Jesus, friend of mine. They're there for the taking if we'll learn how to follow Jesus. Now, when... This was told by Joshua. You see, Joshua was a man that didn't have anything bad to say about Moses. He was a faithful follower of Moses. He knew that Moses was God's man. And he knew to go against Moses was to go against God. Amen. And that's why I'm so grateful that God gives us pastors over our churches and what the, the caution here is not to go against your pastor when he's preaching the word of God, okay? You're to go along with him because he is God's man. I've seen a lot of people try to go against it, Brother Ron, and didn't come out too fair about it. 
And we need to respect the man of God that God has given us over our church. Isn't that right? And I do, Brother John. I love you. Amen. I appreciate you, brother. You've helped me a lot. Well, what was inside the ark? There was three items in the ark. There was the Ten Commandments. There was a gold bowl of manna that God fed the children of Israel with. And there was Aaron's rod that budded. And all that is a picture of Jesus Christ's completed, finished task and work done. Amen. And they were told by God to follow the priest. I looked at that up. That's about a half mile distance so you can see the ark clearly in front of you as you follow it. Now, when the priest stepped into the Jordan River, the water dammed back, all the way back up. And we're going to get into that because there's three things that I want you to see about this. I hope to be a blessing to you. First of all, I want you to see how he leads us to new places. God leads us in our life to new places. You know why a lot of people today don't want to move when the Lord moves? Because they like it just like they are. They like the comfort zone like they are. They don't want to be disturbed, friend of mine. We might as well, some of us might as well hang do not disturb signs around our necks today. But I'm here to tell you, if you're going to follow the Lord, there's some disturbing things that can come about in your life. Amen. I mean, the Lord has put me in some dangerous places down here. Amen. He has. And I'm here to tell you, friend of mine, I've tried my best to learn how to follow him. And I'm still learning. I haven't mastered. I want the master to master me. But I want to tell you what, what our problem is. A lot of times our problem is we want to know where he's leading us. Boy, I'm glad that I didn't know where God was leading me when I announced my call to preach. I just remember at Montgomery in my first church I got up and God was dealing me about preaching. And I said, God has called me to preach. I am confident of that. I am definite of that. And I didn't know where I was going to go. He didn't ask me if I wanted green carpeting. He didn't ask me if I wanted red carpeting. He didn't ask me if I wanted a big church, a little church. He said, will you go preach for me? And I said, yes, Lord. Not knowing I was going to go to jail. Not knowing I was going to go to prison. Not knowing I was going to go to the places that I've been to. And I'm glad that God made it that way, my friend. I'm glad that I didn't know where I was going. But I knew, friend of mine, who I was following there. Amen. It's a blessing, isn't it? Hey, uh, when you look at uh, uh, Abraham's life in Genesis 12. God said, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave the city. And I want you to go. Not knowing where he was going. He packed up and left, and he, he learned that principle about following the Lord. You want victory in your life? You want victory, a uh, friend of mine, in your life, total victory in your life? We have to learn how to follow the Lord. The Lord knows what he's doing. The Lord's already been there. The Lord has designed us purposely the way we are. And perfectly the way we are suited to him. If we'll follow him. See? The Lord leads us to new places. And I'll tell you where's not the important question and neither is why. A lot of people, why? Why? Why is this happening to me? 
You know, water line buses in your house and you're out there sweeping water out of your hallway and, and you're saying, God, I'm serving you. That's supposed to happen to the guy next door, not to me. Oh, no, it was supposed to happen to you. Uh, Jesus Christ designed it for that. It's exactly what's supposed to happen at the time it happened. It's not why. God does a lot of things in our life and we don't know why. But if anybody's got a right to ask why, it's Jesus. Jesus said, why callest thou me Lord and not do the things that I command you to do? If anybody's got a right to ask why, it's him. Jesus said, why do you worry about the raiment that's on you when I color the lilies? They never told, they don't, hey, and I colored them in all their beauty. Why are you worried about your raiment? I'll take care of you. Why? But I'll tell you, there is something that we need to get in tune with. It's not where or why, but it's when. Timing with God is everything. You see, they told them when you don't move until you see the ark move, and when you see the ark move, you follow after it. That's when you're to move. When the Lord moves in our meetings and the Lord is telling you something, whether it's to go to the altar, whether it's to get up and testify, whether it's to get up to praise Him, you do that, friend, and you'll follow the Lord. And you'll learn, friend of mine, how to follow the Lord. I remember one time, this may sound, uh, this may sound ridiculous to you, but it was something that the God showed me in the early part of my life. I was in a hallway in the old Sunday school room over at Montgomery. And I walked down the hallway. Now, this may sound strange to you, but God's ways are not our ways. And I didn't hear a voice, but in my spirit, that's how God connects with us is in our spirit. Because he's the spirit. He said, pick that piece of paper up in the hallway. And I walked right by it, and I heard the caution again to tell me to pick it up. Brother Ron, God is my witness. I went back, and I picked the paper up, and I put it in my pocket, and I felt waves of blessings coming over my life and God was showing me that it's always right to follow me if, if it's a simple thing of picking up a yes, piece sir. of paper yes, sir. if I can't trust you to pick up a piece of paper I'll never be able to trust you with my saints something that simple in timing God is always on time God is never late. It's not good to, to lug behind God. It's not good to get ahead of God. Let's use Abraham again. God promised Abraham that his seed would outnumber the stars of heaven. He uh, promised Abraham that his seed would be uh, more numerous than the, than, than the sea sands upon the, uh, the shore. And what did Abraham do? He said, uh, you're going to promise me a son through Sarah. Sarah become 90. Abraham couldn't wait. Sarah couldn't wait. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah, the Bible says. And Sarah okayed Abraham to enter into Hagar and Ishmael was born. Because Abraham got ahead of God. And now we have the Arab wars over this now. Because both sides are claiming to be Abraham's seed. They are both of Abraham's seed, but one is of a bondwoman and one is of a free woman. Amen. 
One was designed by God. One was designed because somebody got ahead of God on the timing. Listen, we need to learn, friend of mine, that there is a time and a season for all things under the sun, friend of mine. You say, well, what time is it, preacher? It's time in Romans chapter 13, verse 11. It's high time that we wake up. It's time that we wake up out of our sleep and out of our stupor and see what's going on in this world is spiritual. And what's going on with our country is spiritual. And friend of mine, we need to come out of our slumber and we need to wake up and we need to learn how to follow our Lord Jesus Christ. It's time to wake up. Not only that, it's time to get saved if you ain't saved. Time's running out. Well, I'm telling you, hell's a popping. I was preaching up there today, and I'll tell you what, I could almost hear hell popping, it seemed like, man. And it's a popping. Hell's a popping. People are going to hell. Left and right, they're dying without Jesus Christ, and they're dying in their sins, friend of mine. And it's time, friend of mine, if you're not saved, it's high time. It's the accepted time to accept the Lord as your Savior. Hey, there's nothing worth going to hell over. Hey, religion, church membership, baptism, singing in the choir, preaching in the pulpit, deaconing or anything else. There's nothing worth losing your soul over. Nothing. You ain't saved, you ain't sure about being saved, you better figure it out with God. Get along with God, friend of mine. He'll lead you the right way, amen? Even the devil knows it's time, it's short. Revelation 12, 12 tells us he knows it's even short, friend of mine. But where does the Lord lead us? He leads us on path of righteousness. And why does he leave us on path of righteousness? Because all the unrighteousness that we are around today, friend of mine, it's very simple. And may I say to you uh, today, not only does he lead us down paths of righteousness, friend of mine, but he leads us to the right places. And brother John, he does it at the right time. So many times I've missed the timing of God in my life. I've missed the timing of God. And I want to tell you, I want to be in tune with that. I want to be in tune when God tells me to move or when God tells me to pick a piece of paper or whatever God has for me. Brother John, I'm sincere. I want to be able to move when he moves by following him. You know, I've asked the man this over the years. I've been in prison ministry for over 30-something years now in my life. I asked him, and I'll ask you, is there anybody that will be able to stand in front of our Lord one day and convince him that you do not understand these two words, follow me? Who are we following? What is our desires? May I say to you today, he's worth following. Second, second of all, he loads us with his promises. The Bible says in Psalm 68 verse 19, uh, we're weighted down or loaded down, friend of mine, with his benefits. Isn't that right? 
The Bible tells us that God's promises are for all saints. God's promises are all for all seasons. And God's promises are for all situations, friend of mine. God's saints are sealed until the day of redemption. Uh, they are sealed, friend of mine, by the earnest of promise. We are sealed by God. God's in us, friend of mine. And he can't leave without uh, him taking, friend of mine, us out of this world. We have that promise as a child of God. And for all seasons, in Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life which God cannot lie promised unto us before the world began if it was promised before the world began surely all the promises are yea and amen in Jesus Christ amen and we're loaded down with the promises of God but we won't experience those promises until we move the way he wants us to move that's why we're stagnated. That's why I believe, friend of mine, we have a lot, including myself. I'm preaching myself tonight. Defeated lives. We miss God's timing. We miss God's position. You see, it's not the possession of Jesus Christ. Everybody that's saved possesses Jesus Christ on the inside. It's your position down here in life that God wants, friend of mine, all of. Oh, help us, Lord. All the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.20. He did not die. He, look what it says in verse number 7. We didn't have time to read it, but look what it says. And the Lord saith unto Joshua, this day will, be, will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. You know what's being said right there? He's saying, listen, my promises didn't die when Moses died. My promises are just alive as they've always been alive. Amen. Not only have I promised them to Moses, I promised them to you, Joshua. I promised them to the people that followed me. Uh, hey, listen, God is just wanting to load us down with the benefits of his promises that he's given us. Some of them are conditional, Brother Terry. Some of them are unconditional. But I say tonight, church, not only do I want to be led by him, friend of mine, I want to be loaded down with the promises and see the promises of God active in my life. In all situations, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, friend of mine. Did you know the greatest thing that, that a man will ever do in his life is to repent of his sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? There's nothing else that will surpass that because everything else, friend of mine, is tied to that from God. First things first is to be saved. And then second, you learn how to follow the Lord in leadership. Oh, friend, I'm telling you, we got people today that, hey, you know, <laughs> Brother John... You got people today that, and I'm, I'm not being critical. I've just been exurbing. You got people today, me and Brother Terry was talking about this a while ago. You got people today claim to be preachers, can't even find their Bibles. Somebody said, well, you don't know if that's the Word of God or not. You don't have the original manuscripts. Well, it was, in the, it was, uh, it was written down before it got into manuscripts. It was in God's mind and heart for it ever got put on paper. Amen. It's true. The word of God is true. The King James Bible is the word of God. We need to follow that today. 
and not be hoodwinked by what's going on in these last days. Listen, the, he, he loads us with our promises. What does it say to the New Testament church in Hebrews 12 verse 2? What does it say to do? It says, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated now, set down on the right hand of the throne of God. We are to keep our eyes on Jesus. We are to learn the timing of Jesus. We're to follow Jesus. I'll tell you right now, Brother John, if it wasn't for the Lord leading me, I'd have been out of this a long time ago. If I knew what was coming in my life since I'd been saved, I'd have never lasted. I'm glad that he didn't let me know. I'm glad he took care of it, Brother Ron. I'm glad he's done it that way. Y'all still tuned in? Don't change the channel there. Leave it right there a minute. Then lastly, I want to praise the Lord for the Lordship of His protection. You see, when they went inside that and stood inside that Jordan River, do you know what the word Jordan, you know what the Jordan stands for? It's the judgment of death. Jordan, Dan, the word Dan means judgment. And when you read that, those priests stood inside the Jordan River and read it. I ain't got time to go into it tonight. Go home and read it. I challenge you to go home and read it. That water heaped up. Now, I've seen, I've seen a lot of things heaped up, but I ain't never seen water heaped up. God heaped the water up and made a wall where those priests stood and it said it, it damned back all the way to the city of Adam. You know what that represents? That represents Jesus Christ. That ark represents Jesus Christ going into the, to that river of judgment. Because where does that river lead to, Brother John? It leads to the Dead Sea. And everything that ends up in the Dead Sea dies. Nothing lives there. Amen. It's 13,000 feet below sea level. And that's where all the silk runs off into, friend of mine. It was damned. All the way back up to the city of Adam. And I believe spiritually speaking, that's all the way to the man of Adam. Because in Adam all die. And it's no coincidence that our Lord Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. I believe it symbolizes that Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, dams up and holds back the judgment that we deserve all the way back to Adam. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo! I'm glad that I don't have to experience that today, man. Our Lord did it all. And look what it says with me in 9. It says, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. Capital. Anytime the Lord's capitalized in the Old Testament, friend of mine, it's the highest name ever given to God. The highest name ever given to God. And look what it says with me in verse 10. There's... The sovereign God, verse 9, look in verse 10. And Joshua said, hereby ye shall know the living God. There's the sufficiency of God. And then it goes on to say um, in verse 11, and behold the ark of the covenant and the Lord of the earth, friend of mine. There is, friend of mine, the saving God. 
All three of them are there, friend of mine, in this passage of Scripture to show us what Jesus Christ did to us. And this pictures this in typology of what took place, friend of mine, when they passed over on the other side. Now, God is not going to stop the river when you make a deal with them. <laughs> See, we'll, we'll tell God, if, if you'll stop that water from flowing, I'll get in there. But God said, you're going to have to get in there first, and then I'm going to stop it. Because I am a sovereign God. That's the Lord God. You know what sovereign is? That means he's over all. He's the master of the whole entire thing, seen and unseen. And you, the, the biggest picture you'll see of that is the clay and the potter. Hey, the clay doesn't tell the potter what's he want, what, what he wants to be. The clay doesn't say, hey, I don't want to be this vessel. Hey, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be shaped like this. The, hey, the clay has no right to say anything. It's the potter that designs us the way we are. Sovereign God. The Lord God. You see, faith is not so much of you asking from God and receiving from God. That's part of it. Real faith is going and going with what God's given you to go with and following Him with it. Then there's the sufficient living God. I'm glad that God's Sister Janice is not always up in heaven. I'm glad sometimes, Brother John, in my study, the Lord comes and He comforts me. And He sets with me. And He leads me. And He loves me. And He wants the best for me. I'm glad that I've got a personal Savior named Jesus. I'm glad that God is real to me in my life. Though I fail Him time and time again, He's the living Lord. He just doesn't live up in heaven. He lives right down inside of all of us here today. Ready, ready to bless us with His promises. Lordship of Jesus Christ is amazing to me. It's amazing how he can take something that's twisted and bent, make it straight, make it usable. You know, men, when they build buildings, they find the best material they can find, Brother John, the straightest beams, the best wood. But God, he don't do that. He finds the most crooked material. <laughs> and then he makes it straight. <laughs> And he builds the building, the spiritual house of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing to me? Oh, the good Lord, friend of mine, knows what he's doing, church. If we'll learn to follow him, and then he's the saving Lord of us all, friend. Listen, when, when they went down in there, I believe they went dry shod. I believe they went across there dry shod. Nothing got wet on their feet. And they went across and they went to the other side. And we know the story. God told the 12 men out of, out of each tribe to take stones and place them in the midst of that Jordan. And 12 more stones on the other side to make a memorial of what took place. I'm telling you, I'll never forget.
The night Jesus Christ saved my soul, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget what he's done for me. Even if I lose my mind and my faculties in thinking, I don't believe I'll ever be able to forget Jesus Christ, Brother John. He's a wonderful Savior. And oh, how I, how I, how I want to learn, Sister Deb, on how to follow him in my life, Brother John. Following the footprints of Jesus, Brother Tim has preached to us tonight on learning how to follow Jesus Christ. If there's one thing that we need to learn in our lives is how to follow him. And Jesus said this, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I've often said, how can we tell if we're following him? Are you fishing for men? If you're not fishing for men, you're not following Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand tonight.